0: We are in a race. The race is against time. I've been a rich man and I have been a poor man and I choose rich every time.
1: Don't be one of those people, 20 years from now, are gonna be walking around in a nine to five job, miserable and angry and bitter. I'm Welcome to Sound Conversations. Welcome to Sound Conversations. This is Joe Sievers here with Jason Mesnick, star of The Bachelor, two seasons, and maybe reunions and uh, whatever, as well as a real estate broker now here in the uh, greater Seattle area. Say hello, Jason.
0: Hello. What's going on, everybody?
1: Let's start with a little bit of background and as far as your Seattle roots go.
0: So we moved here in 84, following okay. my dad from, uh, was born in Ohio, uh, moved to the east side Kirkland Redmond area uh, what uh, brought
1: your dad out here
0: work he okay. was in fundraising for different stuff and came out here and uh, did that um, until my parents divorced uh, and then he moved down to San Diego for his his real life his next life and we and we've stuck around uh, my my uh, mom remarried um, and I still live like five miles from where I grew up oh. Sometimes I envision myself just like chilling out on a beach in Greece before still living in my hometown, but um, I share custody of my son, Ty, who's 13, with his mom, uh, who lives in Seattle, too, and I'm firmly planted here, which isn't a bad thing.
1: What, uh, being, I'm a Seattle guy, so I've always been here. What, (laughs) uh, what, What do you know is kind of the biggest difference between the Seattle side and the East side, uh, kind of that Kirkland <sighs> redman there. That's a good
0: question. My ex-wife always told me that the Seattle side was more diverse. That's what she always told me, um, and I think that was true to up to a point. But things have changed, especially with all the businesses around here. When you look at Microsoft and you know uh, other tech companies moving to the east side, I couldn't tell you how diverse even my neighborhood is. And, mm-hmm. and so I think it's changed a lot. I think that the toll on 520 has separated us even more. more, you know, um, I come out here on the, on the Seattle side for work, but we don't come out here like we used to. And I blame the toll. Right. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Now, a lot of people I know like the toll because it's not as busy, right? They go that way. And- I don't know.
0: I felt like it was like that at first. People kind of stayed away from the toll. Uh, at least I know I did for like a year. And then now when I come out here, I've come, i come out here for meetings, even in, you know, close to rush hour time, and it's back to normal. It feels like. I don't do it every day. But I think it's. I always find it interesting. People who grew up on the Seattle side are Seattleites, mm-hmm. and look at look at people on the east side, and would never want to live over there. Right. But like in my business, I would say people eventually move over. A lot of sorry, not a lot of people eventually move over for for the schools. You know, it's it's one, like, if you're on the Seattle side, a lot of people think about going to private school once your kids are at a certain age. And on the east side of Bellevue, Kirkland, Redmond, Mercer Island, wherever, I think most people are more comfortable with public schools.
1: Okay. So, getting back to, so what school did you go to? What college? Uh,
0: I went to, like, Washington High School in Kirkland. Went to the University of Washington in Seattle. Um, like, I didn't even think about going anywhere else. I don't know why I didn't. It was just one of those things growing up. My my older brother went to UW, I went to UW. My younger brother went to UW. I didn't. I mean, it was a great school, but I didn't even think about going anywhere else. So you know, I went to Western because I had
1: to get out of Seattle. I just had to get a little bit of ways away from my folks. And
0: I think if I would have done it, if I could do it again, I'd get out of town Mm -hmm. at least for those four years or whatever. I mean, I don't regret UW because it was a great school, but now what I think about what I love most about doing in my free time, which is traveling, experiencing new things that those four years would have been cool to do that as well.
1: So then what, uh, okay. So you graduate, then what happens? And how do you, in two minutes or less, what happens between graduation say and your first season on the bachelor?
0: Uh, Two minutes or less. Graduate, didn't know what I wanted to do, got an undergrad in psychology, took a, a, a job at Microsoft doing college recruiting, which was kind of cool, um, meeting young college folks, getting them in town for interviews. Um, did recruiting at various places for about seven years, realized um, I kind of just fell into like, I didn't know how I got there. That's where I met you. I was like, you know what, I'm kind of done with this recruiting thing. We met at a golf course, mm-hmm. doing the golf industry thing. Um, I spent... Four years doing that, and that was actually the downfall of my marriage. My initially, I mean, just because you're always gone, right? It's, it's a hard, hard, it's a hard gig. You're gone every weekend, um, and especially you know
1: the thing I always found was weekends were your busiest time, right? So it's one thing if you're working weekends, another thing when your weekends are slam packed, busy, and then you know your spouse is it's home, and is they want to spend time. Yeah, they they've got nothing going on. Yeah. And then you don't have, your day off is Monday or Tuesday, and they're in the throes of work, and they're busy with that. And you
0: just miss each other. So, you know, that was, uh, so after that, I got into the insurance business, working for a guy I met through golf. Mm -hmm. I did that for a few years, and then that's when this Bachelor thing happened. Literally, I was flipping through the channels one day. I really didn't watch The Bachelor, but it just happened to be a girl that I knew really well. She was actually in my first wedding, Um, had moved down to the Bay area, hadn't talked to her for a few years. And I would, it it happened to be the last episode of the bachelor for that season. And she was one of the final two girls and I was just flipping through and I, and I went like, Holy crap. Like how the, how the heck is she on a reality show? I texted her. She just said, Hey, I can't talk about it. It was all happening at that point. So I went online and I applied to be on survivor first. I really want to do survivor. Okay. And the bachelor. And uh-huh. of course, like, you know, my mindset is, it's kind of like buying a lottery ticket. Like, what are the chances of really going on a show like that? And I totally forgot about it. Um, a year later, a full year later, my, after I had you know, split up with my ex-wife and my younger brother had moved in to help me out with my son. And literally, I had an answering machine still at home. No, you know, voicemail text. And I walk in and it, it was a, a producer from The Bachelor asking me to send a casting tape, essentially, about my story. Um, and I thought it was a joke for my brother because I kind of had forgot about it. But called the guy back and he's like, "Hey, you know, can you can you put together a, you know, a two or three minute video? You know, tell some jokes, take off your shirt, you know." Uh, and so I put together the video, and like two weeks later, they flew me out to LA to do their final casting weekend. Uh And so that was for, gosh, so that was my son was that was ten years ago for The Bachelorette. Because my son, was, he's 13 and a half now, so three and a half. Um, and so I went through the whole bachelorette thing, ended up finishing essentially second, or got rejected on the last day. Right. Uh, and a couple months later, they called me back and said, hey, like, you want to do this thing from the other side? You and, you know, 25 girls, and we'll walk you through it. And, you know, so between... 2008 was The Bachelorette, 2009 was The Bachelor, 2010, you know, they did this whole TV wedding thing for us. And then probably every year since then, they've invited us back to be the old experts, the godfather, and God. offer advice to yeah, the, to to the, to the newlyweds or mm-hmm.
1: the newly appointed couples. So, how is that? I mean, do you enjoy, like, obviously, you got to kind of go on the, are you contractually obligated to do the shows? Like, You know, Jimmy Kimmel or The View. You know, you kind of run through the whole ABC.
0: When you're on the show, you are obligated to do press or PR. So, like, when when you're on... and, And that stuff's really fun. Like, who gets to go on Jimmy Kimmel? Like, who gets to go on... Like, I don't think anybody really... Fights that I mean, my Jimmy, like you talk about Jimmy Kimmel, he was probably the coolest guy, like celebrity that I had met through that whole thing. I remember, you know, my season ended a little weird. He
1: gave you you a hard time for crying. Yeah,
0: well, he would give (laughs) you. But I remember, like, he had just split up with his girlfriend uh, at the time, and he was pretty like he's like, hey, you know what? When we're done filming, why don't why don't we chat for like an hour? So he took me off set, and I remember this because it was was the boy band new kids on the block happened to be performing after his show in their back parking lot for a concert all part of the Jimmy Kimmel thing right. and him and I literally sat like 10 feet away from the backs. new kids on the block sorry I get him confused and he just gave me advice for like an hour like just guy to guy he was this cool and real. He, he, you know, he he basically had said, "Hey, when you go on Ellen DeGeneres tomorrow, she's going to kill you because that's what she needs to do for her audience."
1: Uh-huh.
0: Uh huh. And he was right. And he said, "If she asks you specific questions, here's how you should ha- answer them." Really? He was so cool about everything. Uh huh. T- like, I actually I, like. He gave me his cell number. I haven't called it in ten years. I should try right now. <laughs> I should try right now. Why not? Why, so? Why wouldn't you call? Oh my God, he's been doing this thing for so long. He wouldn't have any, any idea who I am. Uh, you might be surprised.
1: I remember I'm driving to work and uh, I'm hearing them talk about you on Howard Stern. Oh gosh. And it just kind of was like, wait, I know this guy. <laughs> so you're, as you, I'm just, I keep thinking, did you, you're, so you're in the middle of this, you get, women throwing themselves at you for the most part, how many of them... I mean, it's human nature to be competitive to a certain extent. And when you... I mean, you've seen both sides of it. Yeah. Did you... Was it... When you made it to the second with... What was her name? Deanna? Deanna, yeah. Deanna, right? Is that like a... Looking back on it now, was there some of it just wanting to win? Was there...
0: Well, I think it's more I think it's more than that because they create an environment where you're in a bubble. So let's just say you're just one of the twenty-five guys and Michelle. All right. Michelle is the bachelorette and there's twenty-five guys. Okay. And you say, day one, I come up to you as a producer, and the producer says, Hey Joe, you like Michelle? You're like, Yeah, that's why I'm here. Week two so you're like do you think you could date michelle yeah i I told you last week i was here i think she's cute yeah i could date her week three would be well, do you think you could date her long term and there's a million conversations that go on in between you're not talking about any other girls you're not talking about jenny or molly or anybody else you're talking about one person so week three you're like yeah i told you last week i thought i could date her this week i could of course i could date her long term week four You know, do you think you would ever have, like, strong feelings for her? Like, yeah, but I told you last week that I could date her long term. And the week before, I told you that, like, I could date her. So you go through that after 10 weeks if you're there long enough. The question finally leads into, like, do you think you're falling in love with her? And you're like, why? We've been talking about her forever. I'm not talking about it. Yes. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of leading questions. And there's nobody else to talk about. Like, they don't, the producers don't let you bring up anybody else. Because there's nobody else. Right. right. There's no other girls except for if they're um, working on the show, producers or something like that. Um so as the leading questions go on, yes, it's yes, relationships can happen, but I think the reason that it doesn't work out for most couples is because it's not supposed to. Right. You know, it's like, well, we were only going through these questions, and once I got out of my bubble, I realized like, holy crap, there's three and a half other billion women if you're attracted to women that i like or that there are, there are options for versus just this one
1: mhm so did well, what's it like sitting there when you know she's on a date with
0: i think the guys were different so i i couldn't say what it's like for the girls but overall you know you go down to let's just say there's 10 guys left or 15 right. guys left you're really just hanging out you're sitting around you know you're the, you don't have your phones Um, You don't have any like magazines or TV or anything like that. So you're really just sitting around talking. So you're talking about your life, you're drinking beer, you're barbecuing. And most of the guys, I would say every season, 95% of them get along really well. And you realize you're there for a show mostly. Mm -hmm. But I think it probably starts to feel more real when there's like the last couple. Because that's when all these leading questions finally Mm -hmm. come to the point where like, Okay, you, you said you were going to date her. Could you date a long term? And all of a sudden, it's like proposal day. And then you start going back and forth of like, do I really want to marry her? How well do I know her? I mean, after two months, you may have spent a total of 48 hours with her or him. So wow. realistically, you don't know the person that well, but you're still having to make a decision like that and you're being pushed by a bunch of TV people to, to try to make a decision.
1: And with the, with that decision, obviously you switched decisions. Mm-hmm. on. It worked for me. Those, yeah, <laughs> no, it, it worked out great. But what was, you know, I mean, regardless of that situation, it's kind of more in terms of talking to our listeners and people. What I took away from that is how do you... I mean, I had to have taken some fortitude to put up with the public backlash mm-hmm. and all this, and so many things get distorted in the media, as you well know, and you're the bad guy, or, or you're an okay guy, or how could you do this, and people don't know what really went on behind the scenes, and I'm not looking for you to necessarily air any dirty laundry or anything like that, but... Kind of walk me through a little bit of your decision-making process of going, okay, it's not going to work with this gal. I want to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. What made you think that, like Molly, was going to give you a shot?
0: Well, I didn't know. So I had called after it hadn't worked out with the other girl, and it'd been two months. Like outside of what people see on TV, like there's a big gap, right? You stop filming, then there's two months before it even airs. Right, and then you're still. Then there's another three months, two months before the end of the show. So it could be like a four month gap.
1: Did you can? Can you talk to them? Can you see them? Can you hang out? You can, can see
0: they- the person you picked. Yeah, okay. And they, they'll fly you out to L.A. and do some secret. Like they'll rent a house, and you'll fly into one airport, and somebody else will fly into Burbank, and then, you know, secret cars will pick you up and drive you to like a house they rent out. For okay, you guys. but you
1: can't like go out and hang no, out in no. public. No, 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 no.
0: Like yeah. Um. Uh, but my decision process, the way I made that decision was one, I called up the producers and I said, Hey, it didn't work out with first girl, but obviously Molly, my wife now, um, I'm very curious, is there an opportunity for me just to grab a cup of coffee with her something? Uh, because in your contract, it says, if you talk to somebody that we don't want you to, you've got a $5 million, uh, penalty really? that you, they could sue you for and I said, well, I mean, I don't have 5 million bucks. Like I can't do that. So the producer said, well, we're asking Molly to be the bachelorette next year. So if you want to talk to her, you can talk to her. We're going to fly you guys in early and then you can ask her whatever you want. So they created a special episode where um, Molly thought she was flying in to do bachelorette stuff. And I w- we were all flying in to kind of settle this. Like I had broken up with one girl And now I wanted to talk to Molly. So all I asked Molly was, I didn't know what she was gonna say, is, can can I have a shot? Like, can we go out for a cup of coffee? It wasn't anything more than that. It wasn't Mm -hmm. a proposal or anything. I remember when we were filming that, I I, I had asked her just like that. I had said, hey, like, can we just grab a cup of coffee? And the producers literally stepped in, in the middle of it, and Chris Harrison, the host, goes, no, 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 that's not how it works. You need to get up kiss her passionately we'll give you a rose and i was like no that's not how like so they have a vision of what they want to see right um and it's you've got to really push like they can't make you really do anything but you think they can so i had to push back and i think eventually they got us to give like a little peck but neither molly and i wanted to we didn't we didn't know we were still filling each other out Mm -hmm. mm-hmm Yeah, you gotta have a strong backbone to go through that,
1: right? And then, okay, so now everybody's flooding you with a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. what do you? I mean, did you find out who your two friends are. Well, kind of I right think everybody in, in my so, everybody like everybody
0: who knew me. It's more of the people who don't like anybody who watches saw in an hour, probably not in a, by the end of that proposal to the first girl, Melissa, which is, like, is the last five minutes of that episode and then to the first 15 minutes of the other episode, they saw me propose to a girl, break up with her, and ask another girl out, when realistically that was over like two months. In in, in the real world, it was over two months. We had dated for a while, it didn't work out, uh, it wasn't working out for me, she had somebody back home already, but it appeared, and it was great for the show, but it appeared that this scumbag broke up with somebody, Proposed broke up and asked another girl out. Where I think if you did it over, like, in the Kardashian time, if it la- if it was over like a full season, people would have gone, "Oh, I get it." You know, they didn't work out. They started dating. He started dating this other girl, but it happened in like fifteen minutes. So it ends. Now you're transitioning. Yeah, I mean, so I came back. I was still working at. Um, in the insurance world. And what I learned from people in Hollywood is that most people there are doing what they really want to be doing, meaning they want to work in Hollywood. They want to work on a TV show. Maybe they don't want to work on the bachelor, but they're working their way up and making a movie or something like that. So I came back and I said, is this really one of what I want to do with my life? And when I look deeper, it wasn't. So, um, I came back and, um, I started working on a couple different startup companies. Uh, one was a tech startup. One was a, a kid's footwear company that I started that's down in San Francisco now. Um, so I spent a couple years just trying to build a business on my own or with partners or whatnot. Uh, and whatnot. Because that's come kind of what I learned from Hollywood is like, I want to try it. Like, I want to do what I want to do.
1: And are you getting offers? Are people... Chasing after you, saying, "Come work for me." Come over not me really? I mean, there's or... stuff
0: and more in in the TV world. Okay. You know, I mean, it, maybe at the oh, gosh, not not with my regular job. Not in Seattle because Seattle's so laid back. You know, you go down to LA and it, like, there's, you know, it's people chasing the dream in Hollywood. Um, it's a faster lifestyle, and you know, our biggest celebrity in Seattle is Steve Poole our weather guy. Right. Like if you see Steve Poole, you're like, that's Steve Poole. If you saw the weather guy in L.A., you wouldn't even know who he is. You know, outside of like our Russell Wilson, our quarterback and Steve Poole, you know, those are the celebrities here. So people are really chill here. So it wasn't, you know, when I came around town, you know, I would if I walked by somebody, I would hear them go, oh, that's the bachelor guy. But people wouldn't, you know, it, it was rare that anybody was angry, everybody was really kind to me. Nobody came up to you at dinner and said, sign this? Or... No, I mean, a little bit. I mean, there'd be more photos and whatnot, okay. but it would happen to me a heck of a lot more when I traveled anywhere else. You know, I got family in Atlanta, and family in Cleveland, and I had cousins in Chicago, and we was still going down to LA, and any time I was at the airport or in another city, it happened a lot more. But Seattle was really relaxed.
1: Huh. All right, so now you're plugging away. How do you how'd you get into the real estate?
0: So uh, a friend of mine that I've known forever, um, I'd always been curious about real estate and we'd sat down, he was my real estate agent when I bought bought my first house. And we'd sit down like every six months or so and just talk about the industry and what his job was like and why he liked it and uh i mean i was sitting down with him gosh before the bachelor well before the bachelor and so eventually when the startup stuff was kind of fizzling out you know one of the company the comp- the kids footwear company that i started is still going it's down in san francisco but i couldn't be down there i have two kids now um it just i had to make a decision for the family and real estate was one of those things where no matter what coffee shop you're in no matter what restaurant or bar you're in, people are always bringing up that topic, especially in Seattle. And I just love the fact that you know I had invested in real estate myself, that it became a live conversation. And to become kind of like the trusted person in a family's world or a friend's world or, or your clients and become kind of that hub around anything they need with real estate. It can be, of course, buying and selling, but if they need To get the roof cleaned, or if they need a painter, or if they need somebody to clean their, you know, finish up their hardwood floors to be kind of the hub of anything somebody needs. And I thought that was cool.
1: So, what makes you different? What makes, from a real estate perspective, obviously having dealt with you with uh, our place, and um, you did a, I mean, I can honestly say you went heads and tails above uh, and beyond what my expectations were uh what from your perspective when you're me with somebody and all right I've got a house to sell mm-hmm. why am I gonna pick you over everybody else out there
0: well I would say in simplest terms is all you have to do is say I want to sell my house and I'll take care of everything else so for example if you owned your guys were sitting in your your condo and it's everything is dialed in. But most people who've been in a house for a long time, the house needs some work. So whether they need to fix up the yard, uh paint a few rooms, remodel a uh a, a bathroom or a kitchen, um clean up something in the attic, you know, clean up something in under the house in the crawl space. Um I will meet with every contractor, get all the bids. Um for example, I mean, I had a, a client that um that we were staging their house with furniture, right? To put it on the market. But the one thing the stager didn't have was a headboard. So I went to Home Depot and built a headboard, right? Or uh, another client that, you know, we couldn't get uh, my handyman that I work with to, it was a huge property to come out and pressure wash before the photography. So I go and rent a pressure washer Mm -hmm. and I pressure washed for 10 straight hours. So I think, the bottom line is like once you say let's do this you don't have to worry about anything else you know and i think there's a there's a lot of ways and if your house is completely perfect it's really easy right right then i wouldn't charge like then then we could talk about what i say to all my clients and prospects is don't let money be the reason we don't work together because i'll figure that out money's not i need you know i do this to support my family but money's not this isn't important the financial part isn't important to me it should be important to you
1: how you know one of the interesting things this is a good opportunity for us to catch back up but you know, we go from talking from you know obviously we've known each other a long time mm-hmm. but when we go from talking a bunch to then not at all i would assume that's your phone's ringing off the hook, and then when somebody buys a place or the place is sold, then they, you kind of lose track of them, and then it comes back again. I mean, there's a cyclical. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, on that, do you, how do you stay in touch with people? What, how do you reach out? Because I think in, the reason I'm asking this from a business perspective, mm-hmm. I think an awful lot of people have some good clients they stay in touch with, but they don't. It comes and it goes, and then how do you make sure you don't forget about anybody? How do you make sure? so I think it's important to always maintain a relationship mm-hmm. and to let them know that I think we're of like, and mm-hmm. that you know I don't want to just sell somebody something and then you never hear yeah. from them again, right?
0: I mean, I think about what I've learned the most from, like we're right down the street from Amazon, is they look at uh, long-term long-term relationships. They don't care about a singular transact okay I don't feel like they care if if they make a make a dime off me buying a pair of socks or a water bottle water bottle. But they know the long-term relationship that I have with them is what's important. So I would say the same thing. I don't care if we do a single transaction in the next 10 years together. But as long as we look at each other as a long-term partnership, that's what's most important to me. So for me, I literally have I have a database I have whiteboards up and I go through and make sure I connect with everybody that one that I am working with currently. They're buying or selling. Uh, but also people that, you know, that I talked to a year ago that might be thinking about it. You know, I'll call, text, you know, send a gift in the mail. Just let people know that you're thinking of them. Um, a lot of just as many touch points as I can. And I, you know, most of the almost everybody I work with luckily, you know, enjoys working with me, I think, and I enjoy working with them. And so I become friends with a lot of my clients, you know,
1: what makes the real estate in the Pacific Northwest unique? Other than the fact
0: prices, a hot
1: market and everything's going up. Is there what, what's one, uh, one thing that people tend to overlook, say, and then once one positive that People probably uh, say, you know, what's a blind spot, if you will? And then what's something that people kind of look at too much or put too much emphasis on?
0: Well, I think a blind spot is is uh, there are a lot of people moving to town are looking at stuff that's brand new and very expensive, right? In any market. Like, let's just say you're living in uh, a pocket and shoreline. You look at a new house that's a million bucks when the house down the street is... 650 or if in kirkland it's 1.2 million in the house down the street 700 and you walk through all these new construction houses and you want that you want new you don't want they call turnkey, you don't want to do anything but the truth is some of the houses that are older are built with better construction better materials and all they need is a facelift right so as long as it has like good wood and good bones you could turn that Six hundred fifty thousand dollars house, put minimal amount of money, but you've got to have the money to do that and make it beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a blind spot. Like there was, there was a report um, just a couple months ago that on the so Bellevue and Kirkland, around plus or minus minus seventy percent of all the homes on the market in Bellevue and Kirkland were new construction. So the challenge with that is that's what people see, right? You're walking through, and of course, who doesn't want that? But you don't have it's. You know, there's a premium you're going to pay for new construction. And if you've got the right contacts, and that's where I think I add value to some of my clients are, um, we can get this done. You don't have to hire a contractor to, you don't have to hire a contractor to paint, right? Right. You know, you don't have to hire a contractor for a lot of things, but you can get things done for a lot less of the cost and make them beautiful and awesome. So I think that's a big blind spot that a lot of people fall into now.
1: Favorite house that you've sold?
0: And I sold, uh, this one. Besides this one. Hey, good, good recovery. Mm-hmm.
1: Nice save.
0: I sold, uh, got, you know, this was about six months ago. I had listed a penthouse in Bellevue. Um, it was 6,500 square feet inside and 3,500 square feet of deck space. I mean, cool. just, I mean, the deck is bigger than my house, right? Um, and so we, so I sold that. Um, we had listed it for 14 million and sold for about 12. Um, and it went from, so the seller was a client and friend of mine Mm -hmm. and now the buyer has become a I was just over there the other day and it went from a place that, um, was really cool and he used to host events and nonprofit stuff, um, because you get a panoramic view of all of Washington, let's just say. Um, so now the, the view's still there, but it was a younger couple who bought it, young, you know, younger, still in their 40s, um, that just opens their, this penthouse up to kids. And literally now we were there the other day and there was a 30 foot roll of butcher paper that was all across the ground and all these kids are using magic markers and, you know, the, there's a hot tub on the deck and they're watching a Disney movie. So I went from, a place where I knew and I was buttoned up, like with a red carpet rolling out, which I really like to go to, to now a place where I can bring my kids. Uh-huh. So was, I mean, it's it's incredible, you know? So I, I mean, I'm lucky enough to still go there.
1: Swing the pendulum the other way. Most challenging place you had to sell. What made it? Challenging? I mean, in this market. But yeah, well, well I think one, of,
0: one of the first thing. houses I sold um, was a Rambler in Renton. And um, when you do, when you sell a house that's on septic tank, right? So if it's not connected to plumbing um, you're entitled to do an inspection on the septic system. And what we found there was that part of the system had disintegrated and I come back and I'm new into the business. Come back and talk to my boss. Who's been doing it for a long time. He's like, never come across that. Sorry. Call the other guys that have been in the business for 30 years. Sorry. Never come across this. So what do you do, right? So luckily, if you're, I was representing the buyer, that the seller, the septic wasn't in a, in play in a position where you could fix it. So they actually, have to hook up the sewer line, which is much, which was beneficial to my client. So kind of going through this, but like literally the day that I'm there, and we realized the septic has disintegrated, and it was like the one house that my client could afford. She's a single mom and. She was just excited to be a homeowner. I just remember going in there going, oh, we, like this, take me out of it. Like right. she really wanted this house. And at the end of the day, it turned out to be a great thing for her. Cause she got the house that she wanted. It was now connected to sewer, but literally we were sitting in crap.
1: <laughs> you mentioned spending a couple of years trying to figure out afterwards, after the you know reality show, you're not a Hollywood guy necessarily. You're not going to be on TV doing that. And then your insurance wasn't for you either. And startups trying a couple of things. What advice would you give somebody making that, trying to figure stuff out for a couple of years? How could you shorten that up, if you will? I mean, some of it's a learning
0: process. But yeah, you know what I'm getting at. I mean, it's kind I of. I always think that. I always think that anybody who's done something really well didn't do it on their own, right? Like if you look at, I'm, just come back to our area, um, Microsoft, Bill Gates wasn't by himself. Jeff Bezos wasn't by himself at Amazon um, or Apple. That's not here, but like Steve Jobs needed somebody else, right? So I would say a lot of people are afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. But I would say that's the one thing I've learned is people want to help you. And there are mentors you could find and they don't have to be Bill Gates, right? But you can find people who are willing to help out along the way. Um, So that's the first thing is um be open to trying to build something together with somebody, right? Um And secondly, and I remember one of my old bosses didn't love that I thought this way, but I really pushed back is you never know who you're going to meet along the way. So when people, so I spent, especially when I was doing insurance, I would network with everybody. It was like, you never know where one relationship's going to go. You never know who knows who. So I'd spend a lot of time just being open to having a cup of coffee with almost anybody that I would come across. And I still, to this day, so if somebody reaches out to me, you know, wanting to network or grab a cup of coffee, I'm always open to it. So I would say start, if you're young, start building relationships like outside your comfort zone right away because you never know where those are going to lead at all. And that's one of the things that I'm um, to me
1: it's not well not the sharpest knife in the drawer so it's never going to be what I know
0: it's always going to be kind of who I yeah. know. And, and nobody and, and nobody does it on their own. I mean nobody. There are people like I look at my business there are people who try to do it on their own, but there are people who are probably a little bit more introverted, you know, maybe less trusting, but I think about the best real estate brokers, they actually are teams, not people. Um, the best companies, like we already talked about, they're teams of people. Right. right. Right? And I think that's okay. And it's way more fun to work. I mean, I think it's way more fun to work with people.
1: I would agree. Definitely. What uh, What's next on the horizon? As you kind of look down the road, are you... Specializing in a real estate niche or anything? Uh, I, don't or know. I mean, trying to.
0: I love people who you know. I, I wouldn't say it's a niche, like I, I market towards the east side, but my clients take me everywhere. You know, so you know, it's, I'm still in general Seattle broker. Um, I am curious where real estate's going to go. Um, not values of houses, but you know, there's so much. Information based on technology, like how are people are going to want to buy and sell in the future? So that could lead me to another startup. You know, I know there are other companies trying to do that, you know, Redfin and Zillow and, you know, technology companies, but, um, I don't know if anybody's really figured it out yet. So I like, so I could put my startup hat back on, but it would be all real estate related. Um, but you know, in general, day in and day out, you know, I spend my time helping my clients sell their homes and helping buyers buy stuff, and I really enjoy it. You know, it's great. It's a great balance for my family because my wife Molly's in radio. She has to work, leave every day at about four thirty for work. So I get every morning with the kids, and so I can't start work until I get them off to school, which is cool. And my business allows me to do that. But well, on the would, flip side,
1: yeah, I would imagine not many people want to. So no. we're a home at 6 a.m.? No, not
0: usually. But, you know, I can't, like, I can't leave and go to the gym. Like, some people like to work out before work. Right. And I can't do that unless, you know, well, I mean, I can in my garage. Uh, but I can't go to the gym like some people want to. But I, you know, I get a few extra hours every day with my kids in the morning. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, you know, I do have to work weekends. But I try to block off as much time for my family as I can because they still come first.
1: Mm-hmm. To, uh, speaking of which, I heard open houses don't work. Mm.
0: The <laughs> primary,
1: I, I would—that's would, got to be a pain for you to sit there on <laughs> Who a told Sunday you that? afternoon. Uh, an old, I, an old realtor we had. Yeah, way back. The reason
0: happened. why people do open, up, reason why an agent would do an open house mm-hmm. is because they're looking for new clients. So you do an open house because Joe and Michelle walk in. And the first question they're always going to ask is, "Who you you guys have an agent you're working with? And if you say no, they're really friendly. But if you say yes, they'll go back on their laptop. (laughs) They will. And so overall, gosh, maybe one deal a year or or one client a year I'll get from an open house. Um, Well, we wanted it just because we thought that's... We saw everybody else having the kind of open
1: things. And to us, it was more as a client, the realtor wanting to work for you, right? Want to go the extra mile, yeah. and at least do something for you. So it kind of felt like, wait a minute, okay, you're just going to list it on something. Yeah. But you're not going to do anything else. Yeah. like, so, Well, that didn't seem quite right. Yeah. But
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, but, you know, I do have client, like I've got a client in right now in West Seattle. He's got this, off, that's where I was just coming from. This awesome panoramic view facing eastbound of the skyline um and he wants so what's that so face facing back towards seattle facing back towards seattle okay so right it's to, right off admiral Canada. okay right yeah. right up above and it's got this the most amazing panoramic view of Se- the seattle skyline one window's got the space needle and you've got the columbia tower it's just beautiful and they really want me there every weekend so of course i do it uh-huh. you know i don't like based on being in the industry, that's not really where you get buyers from, but having people come through and see the house is a great thing. So I don't, I don't, you know, I, am much like I, I do, I think every broker, even if you go to real estate school, they'll say the one thing like, don't try to chase people at open houses, go spend time with people that you like that, you know, and just network. And it's way more fun doing business with people, you know, too. Yeah. Definitely.
1: What uh, you know? What those shows? Those reality shows with the broker guys. I'm sure you watch those. Ever thought of doing one of those? Somebody
0: actually just called me about. So they, I've called a a couple calls. One, they were trying. The people who do um, million dollar listing. It's on Bravo. Uh,
1: And that's don't they got one in L A. And they got one one in New York. Yeah.
0: So they were trying to do the same company was trying to do um, a show that was basically me as the agent in Seattle versus technology. Like what happens, what's the benefit of working with Jason versus working with Zillow online? Why are you better? Right. And it, at the end of the day, Bravo chose not to do it because all those shows are back produced, meaning um, the person's already bought the house and they show them, they've already selected the house so there's always a ha- there are there's already a happy ending of somebody finding the, their house. And then they go, "Okay, you found the house. Now we're going to go start looking." And now we're going to go meet your agent. So it's backwards, oh, it's right? Okay. Bravo didn't want that. They said, "We need a guaranteed happy ending." And we're going to we're going to film it like you're going to meet your clients, you're going to go look for houses, they're going to buy a house, they're going to move in. And you can't guarantee that in any deal because something could happen with the house. Something can happen on the inspection. Something can happen with the financing, and so there's a reason why everybody who does a real estate reality show does it backwards, because you know there's going to be a happy result. And Bravo didn't want to do that. So, anyways, I've, I've had a couple calls recently, and I would do that for my business, but I don't like I don't have any urge just to be on TV. I've done, I've done it a couple and times. That. Yeah. But
1: about uh, what do you think of uh, what was it uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines down there? The whole. I think Which it's cool. I just, I just keep looking at those prices and I just go, "Wow!"
0: But that's why. So the other call I got recently that's was the
1: Waco. I don't know about that. Though. Yeah,
0: but I mean, the other call I got recently was um, another show on Bravo, where um, they wanted to build a team of house flippers, right? Okay. So like 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 the guys in New York, they wanted to create characters around people in Seattle that do house flipping, and there are a couple people that do that. But realistically, Seattle's a hard market to do that. It's not cost-effective always to flip a five, six, seven, and like eight hundred thousand dollars house. Where in Waco you could flip a house that's one thirty. Right. You know, there's less risk. So we'll see if I mean somebody just called about that a, about a month ago. I mean I'm not a house flipper, but they're having a hell of a time trying to find somebody who is.
1: Are there enough personalities here? I mean, we're, we're yeah. Seattle's kind of laid back, but like. I mean, New York and LA. The the guys they pick there, kind of a whole. There are. I mean,
0: there are certain people in any industry, that that you can find that are.
1: I know that I. We've got colorful friends. Yeah, you can find colorful Sarcastic
0: there. Yeah, you can find them. Yeah, they're out there.
1: All right. So getting back to, kids are grown. You and Molly still in Seattle. You see yourself long term. Long term. Uh, building, I mean are you building a team you get your kind of your own agency if you will yeah uh,
0: no not yet. I mean I, I am building a team but mm-hmm. small team um so long term I think I mean I think we'll always have roots here um you know Molly's family's from Michigan um you know my daughter's only five so we're not going anywhere for a long time if we do but more than anything I think you know my some of my favorite times in life, Outs, you know, outside of being a dad and being married and all that, is just picking up my backpack and traveling around. Like out of college, I just, you know, I did the whole thing by myself in Europe um, for three months, and I think about how free it, that was. You know, you get off a, of, you get off the plane, you're in London, and you're like, okay, where do, where am I going to go? What's cool around here? Oh, Scotland's up the street if you get on a bus. Okay, I'll go to Scotland. What's next after Scotland? Well, if you take the little ferry over, you can go to Ireland. Okay. You know, you just kind of end up in Greece at some point. Um, so I'd love to do more traveling, but uh, I think we'll have to wait till the kids are... A
1: little bit, little bit older? Or or?
0: Out of the house. Out
1: of the house? Oh, yeah. Okay. What, uh, just kind of wrapping up here, and obviously thank you again for your time, but as you're landing kind of in this real estate stuff, Again, I I kind of say, what is there anything as you look back, you would have done different in real estate? Uh, Just kind of, could you have gotten into real estate quicker? Do you regret it? Do you? Uh, I mean, regret Uh, kind of the insurance portion of things, or is there anything about the uh, the Bachelor, the Bachelorette? That I mean, obviously you met Molly, so there's you can't rule that out, but. Would you have done something different in one of the shows? Yeah, I I don't
0: know about work-wise because I've met a a bunch of people along the way that I really like. Um, I think I'd be further along in any business if I stuck with one thing, right? So I went from recruiting to insurance to startup to real estate. Um, I think if I got into real estate right out of school, college, that'd be a different story. But, you know, I wouldn't have started a business that I was really, you know, that I am really proud of. Um, but I think the thing that I've learned along the way, and it probably stems from me thinking about The Bachelor, is like everybody has kind of an internal, like, no right from wrong. I'm not saying like steal or don't steal or right. kill or don't kill. It's, there are a couple things when I think about The Bachelor where like I knew I shouldn't have proposed to a girl that got... TV pressured into it by producers. Um, and I knew, you know, let's just take that one for example. I knew that inside. So why did I do it? Like I felt like I had to do it. I could have said no. I didn't say no. I felt like I was pressured. Was I pressured? Um, I, think, um, I think I have a pretty good internal clock. And I think most people do. Just trust your gut. You know, st- stay with what, and that's what I would say to a young person too. You know the difference between right and wrong. You know trust trust yourself yeah
1: we have one of the past episodes matt bell mm-hmm. down at uh, the shop there he mm-hmm. talked a lot about that kind of you know if something's going on in your gut and you're not happy where you're at
0: there's a reason for that mm-hmm. kind of follow that and, just it. yeah i mean i i it really was that's was, was t- 10 years ago right like i i knew it but i still I don't know. I mean, I'm also kind of a people pleaser. Like I didn't want to upset people, the producers and girls and like, but you got to also live, like you got to live for yourself too. You talked about
1: some recruiting stuff. And I, I know. What do, what do you think the, what would you, what advice would you give to say, okay, somebody's looking for a job or they're looking for a new career. What's the biggest mistake most people make?
0: I think just applying to jobs online. I think you got to get out and talk to people. You know, I mean, I think I have helped enough. I mean, I'm 42. Younger people than me, and I think about my brother, my my younger brother, who when he was out of college, all he wanted to do was, you know, apply. I'm going to apply to Microsoft.com. When I was in recruiting, kind of going back to that, the best hires were were referrals from people that people knew. And so that kind of goes back to like just be okay, like ask somebody for a cup of coffee, get to know them. You know, you never know, like you could have a cup of coffee with somebody now, 10 years from then, you may be asking for a job. They may be asking for a job. They may have a sibling or somebody. So I think, and it kind of comes back to that networking piece. Just meet people.
1: Yeah. That personal, creating those personal yeah. connections. I was amazed always, you know, doing some recruiting myself with mm-hmm. just how few people, well, what do you want to do? What? Uh, I mean... Yeah. They would come in and, to your point, just apply. Yeah. But didn't really want. It was kind of like, well, I just I'm going to get a job because I need a job or the big one. For us was the internship. Well, what do you want to do for a job? Well, I want to do da da da. That had nothing to do. Well, why do you want an internship with us? Mm. You know, I always told people, if you want an internship, uh, you know, make sure they know you want to eventually work there.
0: Yeah. Otherwise,
1: yeah. Uh, there's no reason to do an mm-hmm. internship for them. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, you—you you got one life, You got one shot at this. I think uh, you got one shot at it. Make it cool. Have fun. I can't think of a better way to kind of
1: wrap it up. Yeah, let's. You got one. You got one opportunity. So make the most of it. Jason, thank you very much for joining yeah, us man. on Sound Conversations. Uh, appreciate you being here, and hopefully, uh, as we wrap up the year, you'll be willing to have a reunion. Uh, a we'll reunion a re- show. A reunion uh, show where we ga- gather people together and pull that off. Yeah, man. Cool. Thank you again. Joe and Jason signing off here from Sound
0: Conversations. See ya. I've been a rich man and I have been a poor man and I choose rich every f-ing time. Don't be one of those
1: people. 20 years from now are going to be walking around in a 9 to 5 job miserable and angry and bitter. Sound Conversations.